Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and here we go. After today, there will only be one more sermon left in our series, What in the World is Going On? The Second Coming of Jesus Christ, preparing for that, uh, making sense of our crazy world. You know, this is what we've been focusing on, and we started in Mark 13, Matthew 24. We went through Daniel, and now we're almost done with Revelation, over 70 sermons ever since the shutdown, so it's been crazy. Uh, anybody who listens to the, all of them, let me know, and there'll be a big money prize. Giving out big money prizes for those who listen to all of them, so let me know. The title for today is A Glimpse of Heaven. A Glimpse of Heaven, Revelation 21. A Glimpse of Heaven. There's a song, many, most of you know it already, it's an older song, but it's really well known. I Can Only Imagine. I Can Only Imagine, and it's all about what's heaven going to be like, what it will be like when we get to heaven, stand before Jesus. But the Bible, a lot of people try to imagine heaven, but the Bible says we can't even imagine what heaven will be like. That's why the song says we can only imagine. We can't even imagine what it's going to be like. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We, have, we can't even begin to comprehend. It's beyond our comprehension what heaven is going to be like, beyond our comprehension. A lot of times with the kids, they'll be like, what's heaven like? And, I'll, and I usually say, it's really hard to explain, but imagine your favorite place. Where would you just love to be right now? And it's usually something like uh, Disney World or something like that. And, I, and then I always say, that's a garbage dump compared to what heaven is going to be like. And it really is a spiritual garbage dump now. But we won't go into the whole the Disney thing. But anyway, uh, it's garb- any, the best place in this earth is a garbage dump compared to heaven. That's the only way we can describe it. And Revelation 21 is the most descriptive passage of the Bible in the entire Bible about heaven. Wait till we see this one. Father, we just thank you for getting us to this part of Revelation and knowing that you're going to bring us to this place someday. Those of us who are put our faith in Jesus Christ, that's our hope, that's our focus, that's our goal, what we have our minds and hearts set on. And I pray that if anybody who's watching this, listening to this, doesn't know they're going to go to heaven for sure, that they be sure after today because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the first eight verses of 21 to start off with, Revelation 21. And this is something new, something new. Verse 1, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride and beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live them with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water from the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Woo! So we see we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. We'll see that in verses 9 to 21. 
Heaven, when we talk about heaven, there's three usages in the Bible for heaven. First of all, it talks about the atmosphere and the clouds being uh, referred to as heaven. Isaiah 55 verse 10, just as the rain and snow come down from the heavens without, uh, come down from the heavens and do not return to it without watering the earth. So it talks about the clouds being the heavens, okay? Psalm 19.1 talks about uh, the stars and the galaxies being heaven. The, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. So there's a reference to there. But also, even though the atmosphere and the clouds are referred to, even though the galaxy is referred to as the heavens, the, the third heaven is where God is. The third heaven is where God is. We see that uh, talked about in Second Corinthians 12. Two, Paul is talking about when he was taken up to heaven. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out, I do not know. God knows. And he talked about being caught up to God where God is. God is in the third heaven. Okay, scripture, that's what it talks about. Uh, but there's really one real heaven. That's where God is, okay? Now, when we, when we die... Today, as a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I put my trust in him. I hope in him. I repent of the sin. I put my faith in Jesus to forgive me. I give my life to him. If you've taken that step of faith, if you've done that, your spirit goes immediately. If you die, you go immediately up to heaven, third heaven with God immediately. And someday soon, you'll get a resurrection body. We don't get our resurrection bodies yet. We get them later. We've already talked about that many times. Uh, but but you will get, you you go immediately, your spirit goes immediately to be with God and Jesus uh, at that point. But after the millennium, we're, now we're post-millennium here, after the millennium, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And somehow they're going to be connected. Maybe there's be some kind of portal. You could jump up and down. We don't know. Jumper. But uh, they're connected somehow. We will live on the new earth after the millennium with God. God will actually live with us with the way it was always meant to be before the fall, before the fellowship was broken. He's going to live here with us on earth and we will now have access to the new heaven. God's going to go be, be you know, we're, New earth, new heaven, he's going to be there. We're going to be able to have access to the, not only the new earth, but the new heaven and access to God at any time. We're going to have that access. Jesus, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all going to be there. And it says here in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 8, there's going to be no more. Actually, five of them are here and then the other two are coming up. It later, there's five things here in Revelation 21 that God is going to delete. There will be no more of them. Five right now. Later in verse 21, we're going to see night is deleted. That won't be anymore. And then in verse uh, chapter 22, we're going to see the curse is removed. So seven things are removed. Later, we're going to see night and the curse. But five things right here. The first one is the sea. There's no more sea. No more sea. Think about the On this earth that we live in now, not the new earth, but the earth we live in right now, the sea covers 70% of the earth. And we can't live on the sea, maybe in a boat, but you can't really live, live there. Uh, you can't farm it. It's not farmable. It separates the nations and the continents and people are separated by the sea. It's also scary. In John's day, it was terrifying. They wouldn't go very far off from the shore. They were terrified of the sea. And even now, it can be very, very scary, right? So, uh, but also with the sea, you couldn't drink it. You, we can't drink it. Couldn't when we're up in heaven. You know, we're gonna look back and say we couldn't drink it. We can't drink it. It would kill us, right? We would kill us. And yet, in verse six, Revelation twenty-one, verse six, it says, 
He said to me, It is done in the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He's talking about, he's talking about the spring of water of life. Later in Revelation 21, 22 verse 1, we're going to see that there's a, 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 well, I'll just read it. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So we're going to see this flowing, the, 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 the water and, and the sea we can't drink. But when we get to the new earth and the new heaven, there's going to be a river of life. And all the world is going to be, all the water in, in the new earth and new heaven is going to be drinkable. It's going to come directly from Jesus Christ. It ultimately fulfills what was started on earth through his death, through his resurrection, through us coming to Jesus and receiving him by faith. It was started, but it's fulfilled at this time. It, it, it fulfills John chapter 4, verse 13, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Jesus said, to, said, answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become uh, indeed, the water give, give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life. And then he also says in, in John chapter 7, verse 37, when he says, let me find it here. Once again, I'm still reading with my one eye. Ah, here we go. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. And this is that fulfillment that Jesus is talking about, the springs of water. And we get this by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He meets, only he can meet that spiritual thirst. Only he can meet that deepest need that we have, salvation. And that, and, and that he's really inviting people to come to him and put their faith in him. It's a picture of putting their faith in Jesus Christ and receiving this never-ending flow of life, life-giving water, and it's going to be fulfilled ultimately in heaven someday here in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, okay? Something else there's going to be no more of. He says there's going to be no more tears. We just saw that too. Uh, back to Revelation 21. It says there's going to be no more tears. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, here we go. Verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And it, now, this is why. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. All those are going to be wiped out too. Not just the sea, but mourning, death, mourning, crying, and pain. There's the big five. I'm going to see two more coming up. There's seven things God's going to delete. These are all the effect of sin. The, the tears are because of the death, mourning, crying, and pain. They're all the effects of our sin. We, why is there evil? The problem of evil. We created that problem. We're still creating that problem. It's called the effect of sin. It's called disobeying God and how He wanted us to live, how He meant for us to live in fellowship with Him and each other. But we've broken that through sin. Sin is, is a lie that we believe from Satan and we have to repent of that. And, uh, it's all the effects of sin, okay? And then we get to verse 9, right after this, the no mores, no mores, no mores, we get to the new Jerusalem. Now let's pick this up. Verse 9. One of the seven angels, here we are. Okay. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to the mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. 
On the gates were written the name of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were written were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. It measured... He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it was long, high as it was long. It's a big square. He measured the wall and it was 144 cubics thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third Chalcedony, the fourth, I have no idea if I'm saying it right, Emerald, the fifth, Sardonx, and the sixth, Carnelian, the seventh, Chrysolite, and the eighth, Beryl, the ninth, Topaz, the tenth, Chrysolite, that one I don't know either, uh, <laughs> but just pretend you know, because every time I hear some scholar read it, they all read it differently too. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the Chrysolite, the eleventh, Jenketh, and the twelfth, Amethyst, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great city of the the great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon or shine to shine on it, for it, the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there is no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. So we see Jerusalem here, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the historic capital of Israel. It's, uh, it will be the center of a new world as well, just like it's the center now. The, the, today, the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims are all focused on Jerusalem. There is no accident to that. Ezekiel 5, 5 says, This is Jerusalem, which I've set in the center of the nations, with center of the nations with countries all around her, saying, It's the belly button of the world. God, why is this little Jerusalem, the little country, teeny, teeny Israel, the, the belly button of the world, everybody's focused on the Middle East and Israel? It's because God has made it. Ezekiel 5, 5. For this is Jerusalem, which I've set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. This is God made it the belly button of the world for a reason. And uh, it's no accident that it's so focused. And the description of the new Jerusalem is just amazing. It's like one big diamond. Amazing colors. Brilliant light. Dazzling beauty we see here. The walls are 216 feet thick. Of of incredible you know diamonds and jewels and everything else right and, that, <clears throat> and, and walls aren't needed they're not needed in heaven we're all going to be safe but they're a reminder of our security in Jesus Christ that's a reminder of that and there's twelve gates representing the twelve tribes we approach God everybody on earth approaches God through God's chosen people, the Jews, the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, Romans 9, 4, I know lots of Christian people claim they're Christians. Eh, no big deal about the Jews. Huh? Or we don't really like Israel. <clears throat> Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all nations on earth will be blessed 
through you. You, you better get in line. You better refocus here. Uh, John, uh, he, Romans 9, 4, the people of Israel, theirs is the adoption of sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ who is God over all forever praise. Amen. Woo! We, we come to God has given us a door. It's through the Jews. And through specifically the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, came to the Jews. And that's why the 12 gates are all represented by the 12 patriarchs, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's how we get into heaven, is, is through the message that God has given the Jews, and specifically through the Messiah who has been given through the Jews. And the foundation of the new earth, uh, new, of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is also Jewish. Look what it is. Twelve apostles, it says. <clears throat> Twelve apostles. Guess what? The Twelve apostles were all Jewish. You got it. You got it. And the Messiah is Jewish. It's all Jewish. You don't, you don't like Jewish people. You don't like the Jewish, you know, Israel. You don't like, you don't like, you know, you got, you, you better be careful. You may not getting, you might not be getting in, right? Uh, and 12 apostles. There's no such thing as replacement theology. We aren't replacing anybody. We're being grafted into them. You know, they're not being grafted into us. We're being grafted into them, it says in Romans. Uh, but the Romans 3, 3, 1 and 2 talks about how important, once again, backing up a couple of chapters in Romans, how how important the Jewish connection is with the twelve apostles. Romans, uh, Romans three. I'm sorry, Romans three one. What advantage then is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. God gave it to the Jewish people. The Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament to the, uh, the, the nation of Israel and the prophets and the, the patriarchs. And the New Testament was given to the apostles, the Jewish apostles. Right? It, it's given through the Jews. That's Old Testament and now the New Testament given through them, baby. Alright, but the 12, the 12 apostles foundation, different from the 12 patriarchs, the foundation is for the church. Israel still has a place. The Old Testament believers and the remnant in the book of Revelation, we've seen that Israel still has a very important place in the book of Revelation. There's going to be a remnant that puts their faith in Jesus. But the, but the foundation in between, when, when they turned on the Messiah all the way up till the time of Revelation, is the time of the church. And many Jews have become Christians and joined the church. They're completed Jews. But, but picture it this way. God has the, the, the Jewish people, and then we are the Gentile, Gentiles. And think of like two different children. You have two different kids. You love them both, but they're different. But yet they're both connected, and we are connected to the Jewish people. They have blessed us, and we are called to bless them. Okay, verse two. In verse two, Jerusalem is called the bride. It's called the bride. Now, in the Old Testament, who was called the bride? The nation of Israel was called the bride of God. In the New Testament, who's the bride? The Church of Jesus Christ is the is the bride. But here, in the end of Revelation, we see that Israel. And the church co- cohabitate, live together, and then the, in the, the New Jerusalem, we live together there, and together we're called the bride. Jerusalem, Jews and Gentiles, Jew, uh, Jewish believers in God, saved by faith, uh, uh, Gentile Christians, saved by faith. We are together in Jerusalem, and together we are called the bride. The bride. And this city will be huge, humongous. 
Alright? Uh, 1500 miles square. Wide? High. 1,500 miles square. That's half the size of the United States. Picture this. Half the size of the United States is one city. It will also be 1,500 miles high. Can you imagine that penthouse view? And we're going to have rooms. We're going to be living in the new earth and all, but we're going to have a place in this new Jerusalem. John 14 one to four, Jesus, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Not many mansions. The word in Greek is rooms. Are many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'll come back to take you. Uh, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus has gone on to prepare our rooms. He must be very, very busy. It's a very big house he's building. He's probably got angels helping him. Uh, Wink. I, but but uh, imagine the penthouse view, fifteen hundred miles up, right? And uh, <clears throat> think of think of twenty. What if there were twenty billion believers? There's probably not going to be that many unless the Lord tarries, right? But imagine there's twenty billion believers in the New Jerusalem in this house that Jesus is preparing. We would each get a cubic mile. <laughs> A cubic mile for our penthouse. <laughs> That's what we're all going to get in this in this new Jerusalem, at least, right? Uh, this will be there will be incredible wealth here. There will be gold pavement. What we worship here on earth will just be pavement. Remember hearing the story of a guy who went to heaven and he begged begged uh, Saint Peter. He showed up at the the pearly gate. Pearly gates, big pearls. That's where you get the word pearly gates here from Revelation 21. Each gate is a one huge pearl. And he showed up and he had a bag and, and, and St. Peter said, what are you doing? What are you doing with that bag? You can't bring anything. I want to bring it. Please, please, please. Just this one bag. He goes, all right, show me what you got in there. I'll let you bring it in. He opens it up and it was gold. He brought some gold from earth and he brought it. He goes, you brought pavement? <laughs> it's stuff we're going to walk on, right? Going to walk on. Uh, the, the building material, when you see this, is pr- priceless gems. Priceless. Priceless. You know, what the, you know, those commercials, priceless. This is really is priceless. What house are you investing in? What house are you building in heaven? Uh, uh, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In heaven where moth and rust don't destroy. Are you trying to store it up on earth where moth and rust destroy? Or in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break and steal? Where are you building your house? Are you building out of wood and temporary stuff here or eternity in heaven an eternal house we're going to be rewarded materially when you get to heaven when we get to heaven we are going to be rewarded materially we're going to get treasures and rewards and we're also going to be given a job responsibilities based on what we do here we're going to be given rewards up there and it's not going to be this boring sitting on a cloud playing a a harp you know that is not what we're going to be doing Uh, we are going to be it's going to be totally focused Filling, they're going to have. It's going to be a whole new world, a whole new world, and how you live here determines what, how you're going to live that next one, what you're going to get up there. All right. It also says here in Revelation 21 that there will be after the with the new Jerusalem there will be no moon and no sun, no sun and moon because why? Because there's no night. That's the sixth thing that we'll be missing. There's no night here. The Father and Son will supply all the light for the whole planet. Jesus gives us a picture of that in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8 when he says, uh, Jesus, uh, I am the light of the world. I got that part. Let me look at the whole verse. John chapter 8, verse 12. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he's talking about putting their faith in him and salvation, but it's ultimately fulfilled here, right here in Revelation chapter 21. Okay? It also says in verse 22, something else won't be there, but it's not one of the no negatives, it's just an observation. Something else won't be there. Revelation 20. 21 verse 22. In 22 it says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's going to be a temple, but it's going to be the Father and the Son are going to be the temple here. It's going to be the temple. Uh, he, there, let's connect the dots to verse 3. Back to verse 3. And I saw, heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Connect the dots. No temple. Uh, what's, what's, what's really connect the dots here? Adam and Eve had close fellowship with God. They walked with God. They were with him, but sin fractured that relationship. They had to leave the garden. They lost connection with God. Uh, they could, he, he can't be in the presence of sin. And so uh, that's what happened. Sin fractured it. But God gives the Israelites a tabernacle. A tabernacle, which is a picture of Jesus Christ. And that's where God dwelt with them. He dwelt in the tabernacle. He would come down and dwell in that tabernacle and meet with them, especially with Moses. But he would meet with them there. Then Solomon builds the temple. They take the ark and move it. They, they take the ark and move it with a mercy seat, you know, where God sits on it. They move that into the temple. So now God meets with them at the place of the sacrifice in the temple. He meets with them there after the sacrifice, sins atoned for, and they can now approach the, the, the ark. The high priest could do that at least. They could approach this. They could meet with them. That's all stays like that until Jesus comes along. And then in Jesus, Jesus comes along in John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. The Son of God became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And that word for making His dwelling in Greek is tabernacled. Tabernacled. That's right. The tabernacle was a picture of Jesus. How God would dwell in Jesus tabernacled. God in the flesh tabernacled, lived with us and, and, and connected us with God, His Father. He fulfilled the ultimate sacrifice. Died on the cross so our sin could be washed away so that we could come into God's presence. Just like the high priest would do once a year. They, they could come in with blood on the mercy seat. We can now come into God's presence. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can now come to God's presence for forgiveness daily, for grace daily, to fight the battles that we're fighting. We can do that daily. He, he fulfilled, Jesus fulfilled the ultimate sacrifice. Then he leaves the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. God actually living, the Spirit of God actually lives inside of us. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside. Romans 8.15, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We can actually come into God's presence into his presence because of this. And, and both, both this, the Holy Spirit lives both in the church today, both corporately and in us as individuals. Corporately, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 21, where it says, 
in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in God. And in him you two are being built together to be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The whole church is, is being built together. We are all stones in that building. The, the church, spiritual stones. Also individually, we are also temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. <clears throat> Let me find that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6. I have to turn to that. Maybe I do have it. Okay. All right. First Corinthians six nineteen to twenty. I know it, but I'm going to look it up. Uh, do you not know your, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to quote it. Who is in you, who you receive from God? You are not at your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Every one of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit individually, and we're built together, stone by stone, to make up the the the, the temple of God where the Holy Spirit lives in the in the church as a whole and uh, so back to Revelation 21:3 we see what happens that ultimately this is all fulfilled the the tabernacle the temple the ark Jesus coming uh and tabernacling among us dwelling among us and we see it all ultimately fulfilled here in Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. Be their God. God now will tabernacle, dwell with us on the new earth and the new heaven. There will be no need of a temple because God is everywhere now. Their sacrifice is complete. Its purpose is fulfilled. We can now have intimate fellowship. We can have it now, but we're going to have it face to face. We're going to have complete fellowship with God in the new heaven and the new earth here in Revelation 21. Uh, another contrast, I, I'm just going to connect a, a few more dots I want to connect a big picture from this. And this is from Dr. Constable's notes on Revelation. I, I just, it's free. You go online and, and download his stuff and read it and follow along. But uh, I just like this chart that he did on this. Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, heaven and earth were created. In Revelation, Gen- Genesis 1, in Revelation, 20, Revelation 21, new, the new heavens and new earth are created. In Genesis, the sun is created. In Revelation, there's no need of a sun. In Genesis, the night is established. In Revelation, no more night, no more night. This Genesis, once again, one, mostly one. The seas are created. Revelation 21, no more seas. All right, no more oceans. Genesis 3, the curse is announced. Genesis, uh, Revelation 22, we're going to see that next time. No more curse. Genesis 3, death enters history. Revelation 21, no more death, no more death. Genesis 3, man is driven from the garden and from the, uh, from the garden. In Revelation 21, we're going to see that man is restored to paradise, restored to paradise. Revelation 3, sorrow and pain begin. And Revelation 21, there's no more mourning, crying, or pain. So that's the, the connecting the dots to once again what God has accomplished what, through Jesus Christ and with the difference between Genesis and Revelation, the first book of the Bible, no, the last book of the Bible. Wow. Connect the dots. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? Uh, but we don't have to wait until we get to heaven for all this to start happening. It can start happening now. God wants this to happen now. He wants us to start really living now. He wants us to experience the blessing 
blessings now. Now's the time. God wants to start recreating us right now in Colossians. In Colossians, and where am I? Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, verses 5 to 10. Listen to what it says about this very thing. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being recreated, which is being recreated in knowledge in the image of its creator. Our new self is being recreated in knowledge in the image of its creator. We, that's what God wants to do with us right now. He's recreating us. He's, he's healing. He's washing away sin. He's breaking sin and strongholds in our life. He wants to start recreating us now. Now we should be, be recreating. Are we experiencing that recreation? Are we experiencing that progressive sanctification? Are we breaking the idols and all that he talks about here? Are we breaking that? That, that's what God wants to do now. I saw a great, years ago somebody sent me this. I had never, I saved it. Uh, Listen, recall notice. This is really what God's doing, a recall notice. The maker of all human beings, G-O-D, is recalling all units manufactured regardless of the year due to a serious defect in the primary and central component of the heart. This is due, it's titled recall notice if you want to try to find it online or something. This is due to a malfunction in the original prototype units code named Adam and Eve resulting in the reproduction of the same defect in all subsequent units. This defect has been technically termed <coughs> subsequential internal non-morality or more commonly known as SIN as it is primarily expressed. Some of the symptoms include loss of direction, foul vocal emissions, amnesia of origin, lack of peace and joy, selfish or violent behavior, depression or confusion in the mental component, fearfulness, idolatry, rebellion. The manufacturer, who is neither liable nor at fault for this defect, is providing factory or authorized repair and service free of charge to correct this defect. The repair technician, J-E-S-U-S, has most generously offered to bear the entire burden of the staggering cost of these repairs. There is no additional fee required. The number to call for repair in all areas is P-R-A-Y-E-R. Once connected, please upload your burden of SIN through the R-E-P-E-N-T-A-N-C-E repentance uh, procedure. Next, download A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T atonement uh, from the repair technician Jesus into the heart component. No matter how big or small the SIN defect is, Jesus will replace it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> I love this. Please see the operating <clears throat> manual, the B-I-B-L-E, Believer's Instruction Before Leaving Earth, for further details on the use of these fixes. Warning. Continuing to operate the human unit without correction voids any manufacturer warranties, exposing the unit to dangers and problems too numerous to list and will result in the human unit being permanently impounded. For free emergency service, call on Jesus. Danger. 
The human being units not responding to this recall action will have to be scrapped in the furnace. The SIN defect will not be permitted to enter heaven so as to prevent contamination of that facility. Thank you for your attention, G-O-D. P.S. Please assist where possible by notifying others of this important notice and you may be, contact the father at any time by email. Email. <laughs> Is that perfect? I love it. I don't know who came up with it, but it was genius. Genius. Uh, so, are, are you a new creation yet? All of us, we should be, have progressive sanctification. We're Christians, but first step is be, salvation. Salvation is first. Are you a believer? Have you, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you a new creation? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Have you ever become a new creation? There's only one way to do it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is one way, one way to become a new creation, that's by faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. Let's pray. Have you ever been saved? Have you ever been made a new creation? Have you ever acted on John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can do that now. You can put your faith in Jesus now. Wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this, right this very moment, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. You can put your faith in Jesus now. The prayer of faith, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my S-I-N. I turn away from that old life. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in J-E-S-U-S. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death on that cross for me. He paid for my sin. His resurrection from the dead for me, he's given, he can give me a brand new life. I put my faith in Jesus. Please forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Forgiveness, faith, follow. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have just become a brand new creation. The Holy Spirit, you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. He's going to change you. It's called sanctification. It's a lifelong process, but he's going to get started right now. Right now. Very important that you grow, though. Very important that you're in the Word. That's how God speaks to us primarily. Very important that you're in prayer. Very important that you're connected to the body of Christ somehow. Bible study, a church, something. Very, very important. I want to encourage you to tell somebody, family member, a friend, someone you work with, someone at school, somebody that you know that's a Christian, tell them so they can be excited for you and can help you grow, get you connected. Your little baby Christian now can help you grow up. Uh, and if you need someone to tell, tell me. If you don't have anybody to connect with, Chuck Wilson, I'm at nhcc at comcast.net. I'll get you connected. I'll be excited for you and encourage you. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we seeing sanctification? Are we being recreated? 
How have we allowed, you know, this, the, the, the illustration of, of sin and strongholds to, to, you know, mess us up, mess up the car, mess up the unit? How have we allowed that to happen? How do we need to, how do we need, what do we need to do to, to sanctify? What do we need to repent of? What do we need to find someone for accountability and encouragement? What do we need to confess to confess our sins one to another? What do we need to do to break it? What do we need to get rid of in our life, to, to remove in our life, to cut out of our life so that we can, so that we can move forward spiritually? Be ready for heaven. The way that, Father, I pray that every person listening to this would know, would remember that the way we live now will be determined how we live in heaven someday, where we will live, what we will be given, the rewards will be given, the responsibilities that we will be given that we'll be entrusted with based on how we can be trusted here. Father, I pray that every one of us would realize that and live by that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, don't miss the next one. Don't miss the next one. The last one coming up. The last one's coming up. God bless.